Honestly, we should just have a really steep monopoly tax. Mm. You know, or mm-hmm. just any tax. Because as far as or I understand, <laughs> as far as I understand, <laughs> these companies <laughs> literally don't pay taxes. There is, there is. So maybe that. we'll start with that, and then we'll kind of work our way up. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 205 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web shooter. I'm Sam and I'm the RT. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is money, 20 grand teen. Mm, that's my favorite day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's May 20, kind of. Shifting. Kind of just crammed them together. It's also known as money. Money. Uh, before we started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. So if you're a, you know, if you're one of those little, uh, little uh, chids, I think they call them, mm-hmm. and you, you don't, you don't get to be here. All right. Uh, so, oh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.net uh, for helping us keep our mics on. So we don't have any big life news this, from this week. It's been pretty chill. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys saw John Wick. That was which- good. Uh, probably, I don't think you did the back to back Pikachu thing. No, no, no. Okay. Just, just straight up John Wick. So, yeah. My wife and I watched the first two cause she hadn't seen them. And then we saw the third one on, on Sunday. So I won't, I won't give away any spoilers. I will say this one was the most brutal of the bunch. Yeah. Very over Whoa, the top. spoiler. <laughs> Come uh, on. Come and, on. <laughs> but it was, it was on that point where it was like, cause the first two, I, I, I really just love the shit out of, and they're, and they're definitely brutal movies, like without a doubt. But this next one was like. They intentionally, they just clearly intentionally took it another step, yep. which was basically one step further than I would prefer. But, <laughs> uh, but it was sort of like the whole audience, though, in certain moments was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love watching a movie with like a full theater crowd. It was just the best. Uh, it was very fun. You get yeah. the real, re- you get the re- real time reaction. Yeah, but then these like particular scenes were like, were just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff is happening. And like, yeah, you can just feel the, the audience just like. Just because, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. so yeah, all real estate about cool. it is that they, they did stuff in this movie as an action movie that I just like have never seen or conceived of ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, including a choreographed attack dog scene, Ooh, yeah, which isn't a spoiler because the moment you see these dogs, you're like, I know these are gonna get used in a John Wick <laughs> fight because there's literally nothing that John Wick walks by in the whole fucking movie that doesn't become used in a fight scene, yeah. right? Hmm. Uh, so that was really. Something it was. I think it's it's a movie for dog lovers. You know, (laughs) (laughs) if you love dogs, you can check it out. Make sure you got a good gut that you Uh can handle just the level of viciousness that happens. But I thought it was fantastic. I had a a blast. It's much like Air Bud, kind of a yeah. It's kind of the adult Air Bud. It's like nobody said that a dog can't be a hitman. Mm -hmm. It's not in the rule book anywhere. So (laughs) here we go. Here it comes (laughs) up. He's just so happy to be Uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then also, of course, Game of Thrones wrapped up, which we also aren't going to talk about. No. Spoilers abound. Except just to say that I, I believe, I, so I did not see it, but I believe that everybody is disappointed. I, but everybody like, knew that was going to happen, right? Well, the, the thing is, it's hard to end something as epic as that, right? Mm-hmm. This is just a, it's hard. Truth. It's really hard. And the and the fact is that like a lot of the fun parts about something as big as Game of Thrones is the fact that there's continuously just more story sort of to be had, and so. Naturally, the closing of something like that is just kind of less interesting. What makes but, it good is is sitting there being like, oh, man, what's this going to – Yeah. How's this going to get resolved? What does this mean? Yep. And so the fact that you have to do a closure point on that just kind of means that a lot of that – a lot of the driving point of the series kind of has to evaporate in some ways. But I will say I was mainly disappointed like regardless of what you want to say about the story, which I won't say anything about. Uh-huh. Just the like the pacing and sort of the momentum at the end got so weird. 
that I was genuinely just confused because it was as if the people who made it like for the first bit, I'm talking, I'm talking like in the raw, the raw pieces of making a piece of film, like the cinematography, the pacing, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like they just left, and then some some just random the B team, yeah. the B team showed up, <laughs> and it was just, but it, only for that last half. So it was weird. I don't know. I, I, the story, I knew I was going to be disappointed with the story, kind of almost regardless because of this issue. But but uh, I expected the craftsmanship on the the, the making of it to, to actually be, be good, yeah, to be really really high, and it just was weird for the last bit, and it it was weird in such a way that it just kind of left you being like. Really? You know, which yeah. is we, not the way to end like that big of a thing. We were watching it, and then there were moments where there was like these long periods of, yes. of sort of just like nothing really happening. Essentially, yeah, essentially nothing happening. There, I, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a there's a long scene where a character just rearranges chairs. Yes, for literally like a minute. for like a minute, <laughs> and uh, that didn't need to happen. But we were we were watching it the whole time, and we're just like. We're just screaming. What is happening right now? <laughs> Why am I watching? So, um, you know, I'd still recommend watching it, of course, if you follow the show. Uh, you will be disappointed. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, just, I'm really, I'm just seriously trying to decide if I'm going to watch this. I'm just saying, all. yeah, watch it up to episode three. It'd be like, that's all right. That's the show's mm-hmm. done now. It's almost like the, uh, it's like the Matrix trilogy situation, you know, mm-hmm. like you could just watch the first Matrix and be like, that was a great movie. And we're done now. That's yep. we don't need to go any further than where we where we've gone. Speaking of the Matrix trilogy, though, uh-huh. apparently this is Keanu's first time back on top of the box office since the, since the uh, Matrix. Matrix movies. Oh. They had yeah. some good oh. they had some good yeah. fan service in, in uh, John mm-hmm. Wick three also. Yeah. Did he dodge some bullets? Were there agents? I mean, he's constantly dodging bullets. That's yeah. true. Because <laughs> because uh, and this isn't a spoiler because Lawrence Fishburne is in the second one also. Yeah. So. Right. Oh, I see. Bringing the getting the band yeah, back so together. You get the team back together. So they have these, they have these like fun <laughs> moments where there's the two of them talking. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So it's all right. I got, I, I, you've convinced me. It's a good go, time. I'll go check. You've it seen out. the first two, right? I've seen the first two. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, studio news. We got the Shenana Jam. So we have we have some events coming. We got the Shenana Jam coming July twelfth uh, weekend, which is our uh, worldwide game jam that we sponsor through uh, itch.io. Mm-hmm. So if you just go to shenanajam.com, that's where you can check that out. Uh, if you've ever been interested in game development at all, um, even if you don't know how to code or whatever, uh, you should do it because yeah. it's a lot of fun. And this is this is how we got our start as a studio is through through game jams. Um, and and I think the thing that always comes out of it is it's hugely inspirational. Just seeing like what you can achieve when you just put your whole body into something for a weekend, you know? Um, so that's coming. That's uh, again at shenanajam.com. Do we want to, and could we open that up to a level head level design? We could. Yeah. I'd like to challenge. do something separate. I, I think we don't want to contaminate the shenanajam. You know, we got to keep it pure. And then we could do a separate. Well, I mean, that's assuming it would be a contamination. We could so do a separate level building uh, competition. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to do shenanajam and make a game. But then, if they're also playing level head, then now <laughs> they're like, they're like <laughs> I want to, yeah. Uh, we could do two events. It'd be, it'd be super cool. Uh, then the next uh, thing is Shenanicon, which is our, uh, it's sort of like our mini convention that we do where we, we do a live podcast episode and hang out with uh, players and other game devs and fans and whatever. Uh, it is a limited capacity event. So if you want to get in on it, it's September 28th. 
And you can get uh, tickets over at meat.bscotch.net. We do have both spellings of meat. Correct. Right? So just meat. You whatever you like. Whatever kind of meat you're interested well, in. Well, except for the one that's M-E-T-E. I don't have that one. Is that a Is word? French? That's when they need like meat out justice or something. Oh, yeah. Is, that's literally the only phrase I can use that word in. Yeah. Mm. So we've got two of the three spellings of meat. So yeah. well, it's the only two you give a You've shit got about. a pretty good probability of, get, of getting to <laughs> yeah. the URL. Um, so yeah, last year we did a live podcast. We hung out with everybody. We had a uh, level head up on a bunch of uh, like demo stations and we're, we're showing off some stuff in the game. So it's just, uh, it's just, and then afterwards we just went to uh, dinner in a bar and just like hung out with everybody for mm-hmm. several hours. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. This is going to be a different time of day, but I think the, the idea is going to be basically the same, which is. It'll be earlier in the day. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be basically between lunch and dinner. Yeah. Right. So everybody gets to hang out and then we'll like. Just probably hang out after that also. And yeah. yeah. And we also take uh, live questions from the audience, which mm-hmm. is a very different experience than, you know, getting to just like read them off of the, I don't know. It's, it's very challenging doing a live podcast. It episode. Is. <laughs> Honestly, the main challenging part is the fact that we're not looking at each other. Yeah. We're all sitting in a row, just like gazing yeah. out. Uh, yeah across the crowd it's harder to riff off someone when you can't you don't, you're lock your eyes holes. your yeah. soul windows can't think, be pressed together i think yeah. one of my things that i'm probably going to do this next time is just be more drunk i think that's gonna that's <laughs> gonna help a lot <laughs> yeah i think that that is you can let go a little bit yeah. yeah i've always found that whenever i give a talk in front of a crowd or whatever you just you take know, that whiskey shot just got to have something beforehand just to kind of mm-hmm. like you know get a, get a flask of fireball <laughs> flask of fireball that way you get your get your adrenal glands pumping too at the same time mm-hmm. i'll just have a, i'll have a hip flask uh-huh. during the during yeah, you should the get a camel Back. Camelback? Is that what that thing is? Have a, sip, <laughs> yeah, a, a tube, thing. tube coming over my shoulder. That's uh but you could you could kind of dress it up so it looks like one of those little skinny skin colored microphones. Oh Ooh, yeah. yeah. And then you just so be like, why does he phone? keep licking <laughs> his microphone? <laughs> <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah, so Shanana Jam, Shanana Con, big stuff happening. Get in on it. Get uh, in on it. Let's talk about uh level head. How are yeah. things going? Things so, going well. So we are we're sort of midway, very close to done with a very large new feature. And so what that means is that we're not done with it yet, which means that's not coming in this patch. But uh, there's been this interesting question about how do you, how do we handle as a studio that balance between taking all the time we need to develop something big that's like a, just a heavier system that can't really be MVP'd in, a, in any sort of small way uh, and then making sure that we keep up a good weekly development cadence because we don't necessarily want it to be the case that we can only deliver small stuff. Right, because it's not mm-hmm. oh, yeah. an MVP is minimum viable product, not most viable player. Just, yes, true. Uh, yes, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, and so with this current patch, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a slightly smaller one, but it still has a lot of goodies in it. So we got the the jukebox, which allow you to basically change music whenever you want during a level, and it's attachable to switches and all sorts of things. We got a few modifications to the campaign to make the jukebox essentially appear earlier, which means the proximity switches are actually coming earlier in the campaign as well, because that's kind of the usually the thing you use to turn it on and off. Um, and then a few other additions to uh, to like how other little tiny systems in the game work to make it a lot more fun. So Cromblers are getting a big update where they can actually be attached to switches. They can they can also impact pressure plates, like but all sorts of stuff like that. And so there's a there's a laundry list of these these smaller tasks that have high leverage that we're kind of piling together along with the jukebox and stuff yeah. like that. So well, we're calling this the in the mood patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, weather too. Yeah, so cause, all cause, the weather's yeah, going to be available. Yeah, so we're getting uh, snowstorms, rain, and then you can change the music mid-level, which means now all of a sudden you can do a lot of really interesting things to like just make your level feel really 
You can't change the weather mid-level though, right? Not yeah. yet. We we are planning on doing some kind of like weather machine thing mm-hmm. that'll allow you to turn it on and off. Um, that's a little more involved, but uh, yeah. it's something it's something that's actually been in the works or it's been uh, like on the drawing board yeah. for a long time. There's also that whole transition period of going from not having to having weather. Yes, and music actually project. has a similar problem. Yeah. And it's something that we're still trying to figure out is like, because mm-hmm. right now when you, when you, you die a lot in level head, right? And so we actually just continuously run the, the level music when you die so so you don't like keep hearing the start of the song over and over and over again uh but with the juke boxes we got to figure out how to find some kind of middle ground because if you can start a song and then mid-level die. and then yeah. die and then start over yeah so mm-hmm. that could actually get super annoying uh so that's something that we have to keep an eye on. dig into a little bit um yeah so we got a we got a good patch coming and then also uh so we don't want to talk about this new feature no. yeah well, so it's hold it it's a feature mm-hmm. it's new that's it. It's gonna be good. And we, then we can say it's uh it's meant to make the tower a more valuable place. That's sure. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um and that then, doesn't give away jack shit. Sieve <laughs> uh Sieve Gaming, which is uh he's a YouTuber who makes videos largely about Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. Um he does these really, really deep and well constructed sort of breakdowns of of like theoretical questions about whether things, certain things are possible and stuff like that. So he'll have a video like, can it, can you publish an impossible level in Mario maker? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would just like dig into the mechanics of how to do these kinds of things. And, and uh, he's got a pretty good sized following. Yeah. Um, he's one of the bigger Mario maker YouTubers. I yeah. Say. And so he made a video uh, and published it on Tuesday last week uh, called, Five things Mario Maker Two should learn from Level Head. Mm-hmm. We saw that title, and we were just like, huh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, "Yes, yeah." Because cause this this is a guy who knows Mario Maker inside and out, you know, more than mm-hmm. anybody else. Yeah. He's also the guy who published the video, like the uh, unbeatable publishing an unbeatable level in yes. Mario Maker. Yeah. Right? Um, and so so he knows so much about Mario Maker, and then to have him uh, make this video where essentially he's saying like. This he's he's saying like Levelhead is a great game and here's all these things that it's doing incredibly well um, and things that I wish Nintendo would do in Mario Maker but aren't um, and so I think of the five things he listed one of them is coming to yeah. uh, Mario Maker two because they did their uh, Nintendo Direct last week as well mm-hmm. Which so one we get was to, that that they that they're adding uh, the camera. Well, uh, they're, they're not actually they're adding quite. Cam- yeah, you they're can, not adding, they're adding camera side scrolling levels that you can. Yeah, you can yeah. control kind of like the vertical position a bit. So basically, it adds like one big horizontal line with nodes on it across yeah. the whole level, and then you can like move nodes up and down to move the vertical position of the camera. Yes, and also on each node, you can change you the can change speed of the speed. camera. Um, yeah, and then, so and they also have the idea of locked cameras, but the only way to execute that is to completely section off a chunk of your level with right. walls. And then once you're inside there, then the camera locks. Mm-hmm. So, th- so they have in a really limited way, some of the things that, uh, that our camera system has, um, but that's still a huge improvement over what they had. So people yeah. are still pretty pumped about it. Yep. They um, also do have a switch. They have a switch. That's wow. an on off switch. That it's is global. It seems to be globally tied to yeah. everything in the level. That I think can it's, it's on and off. color based, right? Cause it's like a, like you toggle it between red and blue red states and blue, or something. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's safe to say that. So we, I think this is probably a good place to dive in, which is what what was the team's response to the Mario Maker Two Direct? Because I know people are wondering about that. Yeah. Um, which I think largely came down to I think one they did a great job of of extending 
that game and the whole 3D world thing. Oh my god, the 3D nuts. world looks amazing. It's essentially to me that's mainly what they were building probably the last like two years. Yeah, because uh, it's just yeah. a lot of work to do that. Um, so it's, 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 it's really cool. Four, it's been four years or something since. Yeah, well, who knows how long it's been? Been a while. Yeah. Um, been a while. But yeah, so that's that's really really cool, and I think the the hype is real. I mean, people are really really excited about all the stuff there. And the one that actually was the most interesting and that got us scratching our heads the most with Level Head was that Mario Maker will have the online multiplayer mm-hmm. component. That was the only one where we were like, no, because yeah, we can't. <laughs> like, that's, that's the one that's like very hard to do in the in a lot of senses for us. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Le- Level Head actually mechanically has a lot higher speed things happen. Like we have cannons that shoot you out so fucking fast. Yeah. Um, that, you know, with these frame perfect collisions, we have like, you, you accelerate to max speed and I think a 10th of a second, like there's just a very small amount of acceleration, yeah. um, or I guess a large amount of acceleration if you think about it math wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and you're moving really fast, you're sprinting really fast, you're flying really fast. And then enemies and, and other objects also have some degree of randomness to them. So we have, for example, like these, uh, you know, these flapjacks, these like bouncing enemies, um, they don't always jump in the exact same arc. They have a little bit of variation. Mm-hmm. And and we do that so that, for example, if you have a bunch of these enemies all put together, then they end up creating a more sort of like chaotic and interesting pattern that you have to react to instead of just seeing like a bunch of enemies just moving perfectly synchronized right. with each other. Because that just kind of gets, you it's know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so so we have a lot of these things that just inherently make it so that multiplayer gets weird. Well, on top of the fact that we don't know how to do it, which I think is the, the no, big one. Well, we know we know how, but it's but like any amount of lag would just break so many of these um, mm-hmm. so many of these systems. So I'm really curious to see how that ends up feeling because um, I I don't know of very many platformers that have uh, multiplayer. Yeah, ultimate trigger. There's actually a fair number of platformers sorry, uh, online. Yeah, online. There's actually because I think Battle Block Theater also yeah, does Battle Block. Yeah, ultimate trigger. Um, so I know of a few, but I don't know of any precision platformers right. at all that. Have online multiplayer. And I think I think we fall in that category. I don't actually know what the like what the dividing. I, th- line I think is. I think at the moment you have to have something happen on like a frame by frame kind of basis. You know, I think that's when you're like in the precision category. So it's because I think it's the moment lag of any kind basically can like truly create a problem. Yeah, um, I think it's when you're in the precision. That's, when, you, that's when you're there. Yeah. So or when you know you're you're competing on leaderboards for like a 0.01 second difference, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody. Right. Um, yeah. It was interesting one. Cause I think um, we had some people's response and or questions in the discord was like, Oh man, are you guys like super duper? Like, are you so worried about this? Whatever. Um, and not really, because I think the, the interesting note here is that uh, any game we've ever launched has always had an immense amount of competition. Uh, and always in will. the field and always will. And always from um, bigger players because we're not a big player. Yes. And so there like, are big players. So like by sort of yep, necessity, yep, we just exactly. will not be. So for example, when Crashlands came out, you know, there was, there's Don't Starve, there's Terraria. There's all sorts of things that sort of get at the pieces of what we had ended up creating uh, ourselves. And some of them were already out. And so for us, it's it's mainly a timing. The, the one thing that's in any way aggravating about the situation is just the timing issue, which is that yeah. they're sort of entering the market at the same time, which means the ability to capture attention from those same sources where we would like to get the attention to. Uh, is a little more limited. But when it comes to sort of the games living, you know, next to each other and being able to carve out their own niches, I think people who played Levelhead know that that it's its own thing. And yeah, it's not we, it's not a Mario Maker remake or anything. Yeah, like it's that. the same reason why like, you can have Destiny, you can have Borderlands, you can have like all sorts of different games that have a loot and shoot sort of mechanic yeah. 
to them, but end up being viable people, in their own. Yeah, routes people don't see Overwatch and go, "Oh, this is just Team Fortress 2. I'm just going to keep playing Team Fortress yeah. 2." They're just so, like, "Oh shit, it's a first person shooter made by Blizzard." Yeah. And then they just go play it. Yep. And so, as yeah. long as you're able to differentiate along enough of these lines, and like I think we're we're already there in terms of a lot of the uh, really interesting mechanics we have to offer. So, yeah, I, I think we were. It, it would be crazy for us to become worried because of the announcement. Because here's the thing about the Mario franchise. It is so fucking powerful yeah. that yeah, we're not competing with them. All Nintendo would have had to do was say, hey, Mario Maker is now available on the Switch. Mm-hmm. OG original Mario Maker with no new features <laughs> yeah, right, available sure, on the Switch. Right. And people would have shit their pants so hard mm-hmm. that their pants would have shot through the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. like it, they, uh, they hardly uh, have uh, to, pants shit missile. They hardly <laughs> have to do anything at all and then slap Mario's name on it. And yeah. then it's boom. You're that, was good, a, right? that was a very just visually <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> very graphic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like people's veins are popping out of their foreheads just in like thinking about this game even mm-hmm. existing. Um, and so so me- meanwhile, the, you know, the stuff that we have to do is like we can't compete on that no. uh, on that level. Um, and so we have to have a- every feature we have, we have to try to do 10 times better or bigger or whatever than than any you know, comparable features. Um, and even then people are very hesitant, you know, to, well, cause it's not about direct comparable features. Exactly. Comes down to. You have to differentiate to make it more, to make it worth someone who's like, Oh, I really like Mario maker. If they hear about level head, they should want to get it also sort of what's the reality. Is, yes. right? okay, instead of instead, instead of instead, yeah. um, because instead that's, that's instead. the reality of the market, which is that Mario maker, it will always have a larger piece of the pie in terms yeah. of, in terms of, uh, sort of mainstream attention, but it also it makes the pie bigger because because Mario can use its power. I mean, Nintendo can use its Mario franchise power to to bring people into that kind of a game mm-hmm. that they may not have tried before, right? And and that that same person would still never in a million years have even heard of Levelhead, right? Yeah. So they can grow the size of this pie, which gives gives more opportunities for people who are into this kind of game looking for games like it in yeah. the same. So genre, it's right? it was never going to hurt us any more than just existing <laughs> um, than yeah than just the fact that that there has it at one point been a Mario game like this um, it is definitely i think it's definitely fair to say though that if Mario Maker was not coming out on the switch just it would be period, easier that it would probably be infinitely easier, it would be easier for us to be successful with this game um, yeah. yeah and i think you know a great way to to maybe sort of conceive of this kind of stuff is is look at ingress so Ingress mm-hmm. is a – well, it's Pokemon Go. Yep. Ingress was Pokemon Go. It was a sort of like sci-fi thing and there were like rifts that opened up in this AR thing and and it had a very small but very dedicated community of players. So that same company is then contract – who made Ingress is then contracted by the Pokemon company and they make Pokemon Go, which is which is sort of like a reskin of Ingress with yep. some – a few added mechanics and then Pokemon slapped on top. And then all of a sudden – Boom, like best-selling game in the universe, right? So it's not really about your feature set. It's not about how good your mechanics are or your controls or or how cool of a concept it is. Um, a lot of times it just comes down to have you slapped a uh, powerhouse franchise IP yeah. on top of it? Well, this, this is why so, when we talk about licensed games, like the, the question is who's, who is paying who in a licensed game scenario? And the reality is – Oftentimes, it's the developing studio who is paying for the IP to mm-hmm. be a part of that, as opposed to the other way around, which I think is something maybe people don't necessarily think and, about. And it can go either way, but yeah, but it does often. It usually goes the other way because right. if you if you're, for example, if you make a first person shooter, you're running into this exact problem, which is like, mm-hmm. who's going to care about this? But then if you're like, oh, 
let's get a Star Wars license and make them clone troopers now. Yeah. Everyone, oh, I'm interested. I yep. want to go shoot people in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, so now you're not looking for first-person shooter fans. You're looking for Star Wars fans, yeah. right? Which is a much more dedicated and and broad audience than just generic first-person yeah. shooter. So, so I think I think what what people kind of need to recognize is is we were never competing in that capacity. You know, yeah. um, not in a direct market capacity. The thing we are competing on, which is Adam's point, which is the bummer about the whole thing, is just the fact that all of the YouTubers, all the Twitch streamers, everybody else who we would be targeting in order to get the word out better, because no one knows the game exists, uh, are going to be sucked up by. Yeah. yeah, we're competing in the the attention economy yeah. space, and it, it is the case that when we started making the game, we were like, you know, the original Mario Maker was very popular, um, and it was one of the only reasons that people would buy a Wii U. Yeah, um, and so it had a dedicated community and all that stuff, but it's, it was also not updated much, and the people who were playing it were kind of like reaching that point of sort of running out of steam a little bit, and they're like, you know, there's we want some new we stuff, need some new inputs, yeah, and we were like. We'll we'll bring them some new stuff, um, and then of course that sort of sort of flipped. <laughs> um, but you know we'll we'll just keep going. Like we're just gonna keep uh, keep adding features and keep improving. Yeah, I mean, things we and, did have our our highest peak concurrent player base this weekend, which is awesome. So like it's things are moving and people are coming in and doing yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, and Steve's C- video, man, that brought that brought in a lot of yeah, people, a lot of new players. Um, yeah, the the game had been kind of like hitting a like a stable point in terms of concurrent players, and then his video comes out, and then it's just like boom, just mm-hmm. took off. Um, so that was super helpful, uh, and it was also really interesting to see because when we first launched uh, Levelhead into early access, we had the Steam pop up, and we had our our user base of Crashlands players. So both of those are essentially non-targeted in the sense that if we reach out to a bunch of Crashlands players and we're like, "Hey, do you want to try Levelhead?" The answer is generally no, actually. It's a precision uh, platformer. It's a precision it's platformer versus like a chill, you know, story-driven RPG. And a, and a huge fraction of our Crashlands players are on – have on Crashlands mobile. only on mobile, yeah. right? Um, or on the Switch even. Yeah. Um, and so so we weren't able to pull from our existing player base very strongly. And then we had the, the Steam pop-up, but that's also untargeted. It's just like Nine. a whole bunch of people see your game sort of like as they're shifting through the pop-up for the day, you know. Um, and so that also generated a lot of wish lists, but not very many direct, um, sales because people just like, nah, sure. I guess it seems interesting when, when C's video came out, this was really targeted. Yeah. And so, cause these are people who, <clears throat> who are really into this kind of a game and are actually looking for exactly this kind of an experience. And when it comes up at the top of the list, if somebody searches for Mario maker, right? So it's like yeah. people who are just into Mario maker. Like those are the exact people who will stumble across this as yeah. well. And so, so then what we see is, is I think around launch time, our wish list to sales rate was like ten to one or something yeah. like that. Um, and with this new crowd of people, is two to one. Yeah. So like every two people who wish listed, one person would would buy it, which means like the people who are seeing it are actually exactly the they want to shoot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, and it was the same deal in terms of just like overall eyeballs, like the because we had the Steam pop up that showed the game to just a huge, huge, huge number of people. Uh, far more than the video was seen than mm-hmm. video was seen a but, lot more yeah but we actually had more people just like come to the store uh, yeah from C's video so the difference in conversion was probably like a thousand times right. you know um so that was really interesting to see i thought um so i don't know you guys have any other thoughts about yeah. all that it was really nice it's cool we really yeah. appreciate we're, that now <laughs> we're, just, we're hoping for some more of it yep. oh and i think i think the other kind of interesting thing to see coming out of it was 
was you, you can almost kind of like see in real time Steam's algorithms sort of churning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a website called Steam Likes, which is a website that just shows how many other games pages any particular game shows up on. Because a lot of and times like the games like this list. Yeah. So a lot of times people will find a game via looking at a game that they already are interested in, and then it'll be like other games like this, you know, down at the bottom. And you'd be like, oh, that looks interesting too. And then you click on it. And actually that's where a lot of traffic comes from through Steam is like these, the, the sort of organic background. Yeah, the traffic. organic sort of tangential recommendations. Um, and so uh, before that video came out, or sorry, like once that video came out, our number of Steam likes went up by a factor of five. Yeah. And so, uh, so all of a sudden you see like new influx of people, more, and then our game gets shown on more product pages, then that brings in more people. But I think the really interesting thing about that is that that's not a very sticky algorithm in the sense that it drops back it off. Drops like off. It drops off. It's almost completely dependent on sales now, which is really interesting because it's not the way it used to be apparently back in October is when they switched it over uh, to be more, much more sales oriented. And so, so yeah, you can, if you have a really good weekend or you have like a YouTuber pop on, then you'll get the spike in both that traffic and then this subsequent organic traffic. But then if nothing else also happens if it, it doesn't collapses. basically if it doesn't spike again yeah then, then it actually then it kind of tapers back down. back down um and so it's it's a little bit more fraught actually than it used to be in terms of like capturing a youtuber's attention is really good for actually a short period of time now but it doesn't necessarily echo into you know well, into it a, is into a mean, long term and it's interesting because it, it really just has to be this way because yeah. there are there's just so many games there's so many games um that that it used to be it used to be kind of an okay thing to do to have the whole uh, positive feedback loop that kind of just like mm-hmm. keeps on going. Right. But a, but a positive feedback loop in this context soaks up so much attention yep. that if they go completely unchecked then all you end up with is like the 10 games at the yep. top, which is what you see in like the app store, for example. Right. Yeah. It's just, just the, the same, same games, 10 games just for the five same years. Games, <laughs> yeah, because, because their, because their algorithm is purely, uh, or at least very strongly just, uh, just a positive feedback loop and that's yeah. it. Um, if you add that decay aspect where it's like a positive feedback loop plus decay, then now you can have this really interesting phenomenon where you can juice an algorithm and get just suddenly start getting pushed up. But if anything slows down at all ever, then you start to hit this like decay factor, mm-hmm. right? That starts bringing you back down. And, and now, you're, now you're fighting drag, right? right? And now yeah. the lower you go, the fewer things you get. Yep. And, then and the, the lower you keep going, you right? So, so you basically get these like really huge and very thin spikes basically is what allow, that allows. And because we're all trying to share the attention economy with this, this huge, huge swath of games, and like, like it's basically the only way you can do it. Yeah, you'll just be spiking from a, from a storefront perspective, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's man, it's, it's such a battle. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it is wild. But but we, I mean, this was this was the first time that that um, somebody with a fairly good sized audience actually like broadcasted something about Level yeah. Ed, um, and we got to kind of see. Yeah, it was a huge win for the team this week, so it's very good. Very good. Um, all right. And then let's talk about industry a little bit. Yeah. I think the one big thing that's kind of interesting is the the lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court against Apple. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So let's uh, give, us the, give us the backstory on so, this. So the, essentially the story is somebody sued Apple saying that, uh, that Apple was behaving in a monopolistic way by uh, artificially inflating the prices that consumers have to pay for apps and games and whatever because of their uh, 30% cut and because nobody else can sell things. So like nobody else can come on to iOS and sell something with a 20% cut or a 10% cut. Mm -hmm. Only Apple can sell stuff and it's always a 30% cut. And on top of that, they have their own competing products. So I think the example is something like Spotify 
mm-hmm. versus Apple Music, right? So the idea right. is that Spotify has to pay that thirty percent. Right. Chunk so they have to no so like if you buy a song, can you buy songs on Spotify? Yeah. But like when you listen to you a pay song your on Spotify, subscription or whatever. Yeah, you pay your subscription, right? So thirty percent of your subscription just goes right to Apple. Right. right. Uh, if you pay for it through through mm-hmm. Apple, and so then what's left then is what actually goes into the pool to pay out. Uh, to pay for basically Spotify as a service as well to pay out all the artists and all that kind of stuff. And whereas whereas Apple through iTunes, they don't have a 30% cut at all, which means they end up with a bigger pie that they can now distribute, plus they actually get Spotify's pie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they, in principle, have a lot more leverage to bring on artists and pay people better and yep. and lower their own prices and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and by by saying, you know, only we can sell stuff through iOS, um, then that that creates the questions of monopolistic stuff, right? So, so Apple essentially responded to this lawsuit saying, "No, no, no, we are not in control of anything here. Uh, it's the developers that set the prices, mm-hmm. and we don't have any customers. Our customers buy iPhones, and then if you buy an app, you are the customer of the developer of the app, and we have nothing to do with it." Yeah, and this is important because essentially all, what that means legally is that a person wouldn't have st- what's called standing. Standing, so which just words, means like the ability to sue. The ability to sue for this particular Which is funny thing. that you have to like sue someone and then people have to decide first. Like, are you allowed yeah. to? Are you allowed to? That's the first well, part. Well, yeah. Right? The, uh, this, this, this one it's, it's int- actually a, a huge fraction of Supreme Court cases are really about standing. Yeah. It's just like yeah. – yeah. Um, and yeah, and so, some really major ones were just questions of standing that mm-hmm. like were historic cases, you know. Well, um, yeah, because a lot of times like – because you can't sue until something bad has happened either, right? And yes. so – because the, the person who's doing the loss, like you can't – if you see an injustice in the world, you can't like then just go sue the government and be like, it's really fucked up that you're doing this. You actually have to be the one being harmed yes. by it or be representing somebody being harmed by it. And so it creates these really interesting problems where sometimes it's actually very hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um and if you go back to kind of the history of Supreme Court cases, this is definitely an aside, but you go back through the history of this stuff and a lot of those like really epic Supreme Court cases were ones that were pseudo engineered to have happened yeah. in the first place. Yeah. They called them a test case. The test case. Where they right. need to find an, like, an exact scenario that would that would once and for all answer the question of standing. Yeah. So like they wouldn't even really be suing for the thing that they needed. They just needed a, a case to come down <clears throat> saying yeah. like, yep, you can sue. Yeah, but it is like – it is just so wild though to me that – that there can be something that's just really, really bad, like clearly bad, but nobody – you just – you can't you stop can't it. Get There's nothing it. you can do yeah. about it. And if you want to, you basically have to get harmed first. So like if there's if there's some like – if there's some law in the books that says you can't do X and then you go do X, right? Mm-hmm. And now, now you get thrown in jail for 30 years, right? Now you can go. Well, you're in jail yeah, now, right. right? But you're in well, jail now. Done. Yeah. So <laughs> while, while your case goes through the court system for three years. For, or probably more or than five that. five or ten. Or um, yeah. So. Well, th- this was, this was why uh, some, some things were such a, such a hard thing to move. Um, so I know that the, like the, the famous uh, Roe v. Wade case, mm-hmm. which is very controversial in the United States. Um, one of the reasons that that was so hard for, uh, for people to, to like just get into the court is because if, if for that particular situation, um, if you are like, it's, it's about pregnancy, which has a limited yeah. time. So if you're though. pregnant and then you're not allowed mm. to get an abortion, but then by the time so you get to court, sue, it's done now. And right? now you don't have standing anymore. You, so you don't have standing, so you yeah. can't do anything about it. So that, that like, there's all kinds of really weird, tricky stuff with all of this legal stuff. Mm. So, uh, so with this Apple case, nothing has happened except the Supreme court was like, cut the bullshit basically. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, Apple, you are you are involved in this. Yeah. Like you are not a passive actor just like 
loosely facilitating a transaction between the developer and and the customers. Yeah, if all they did was basically take like a sort of transaction and, and fees that were based on like distribution of your game or yeah. whatever or your you know your app, right? If that was all they did and they basically let anything on there, mm-hmm. then then they could make this argument. Yeah. So so essentially what has happened now is that that's that's it. Yep. This person or this the Apple lost and now it's possible to sue Apple as a like for monopolistic practices as a consumer of something that you bought through their platform. So, so nothing's going to happen because of this for years. But now it's time well, for I a think, new wave of court cases. Yeah. Well, actually, five I think, years I think a whole bunch of lawsuits are going to happen pretty fast, actually. Um but it's gonna be it's gonna be some of those like it's gonna be some of those lawyers who those unscrupulous lawyers yeah. who put together who put together some ridiculous thing and then they get a whole bunch of people on board for a class action suit you know, on something dumb and then walk away with a million dollars while everybody else is left with ten cents and then Apple yeah. loses and then, a bunch of money for no reason and the whole thing. Yeah, and this kind of has to be a, a class action like it, it will probably have to lead to class action lawsuits in some case because the harm to any individual users. So yeah, it's low. like if you paid ninety nine cents for an app, yeah, you, you're not you gonna hire a you're not gonna hire a lawyer and like <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. I yeah, mean, well, even I think it's gonna happen. It's gonna have to happen in the app space and in particular with with services that that Apple has direct competitors with. Like that's, that's the only yeah. place where I think it's gonna make any sense, and the and the money involved is gonna make yeah, any so sense. Your music, right. your TV stuff, like yeah, like yeah. Well, this is particularly interesting given you know like Apple Arcade and also Apple's push into services, TV and other services, yeah. um, because this is where that conflict is gonna be the most mm-hmm. intense. Right. Because so. if they say like we're providing a service and and we take a hundred percent of the revenue because we're us and we mm-hmm. don't allow these other services on our system at all right. or right. if we do then, then we get then we take 30 percent of their mm-hmm. revenue and they have no other means of delivering to the billion whatever people who have iphones yeah. except yeah. through us right yeah so it gets so, it gets really interesting i think um it's there's a really good write-up about it in uh, the games industry.biz uh by brendan sinclair just kind of talking about what this might mean for future stuff and the, the big the end all point of it is just that you know the whole the walled garden thing is actually in uh, danger at this point from not just an Apple's case, but in yeah. most storefronts cases. Well, the thing is like a walled garden is a monopoly by definition, right? It's a, or it's, 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 it's a nice euphemism for a monopoly. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> nobody and, else can come in or do anything. Yeah. The question with the monopolies garden. is always, always has been like, is it big enough to be a problem? Yeah. Right. And once the answer is, has been yes for about a decade, uh, yep. <laughs> everyone's like then then people start to take action right yeah and well so it, I think, and i think this is I, I i can i can actually really sympathize with uh, with a company say like apple they come up with this technology oh, yeah, they've got they ipads they've got yeah. iphones and they're like this is ours like we made the operating system we make the hardware we, we make fucking every part yep. of it. well i guess yep. not really they they buy parts and put it together but still mm-hmm. like they conceived of the technology they developed all of the software that everything runs all on. the hard work to sell them in the first place to build that they whole market, market yeah they built yeah. the whole market yeah, so shouldn't they have the right? To- right, and it's like I get it. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're like, yeah, this is our market that we made it. Uh, so we set the prices, right? Well, and, and I think that that's, is the, that's just the thing actually about monopolies, and it's why, why it's like so tricky is because it actually just does feel unfair for a, a monopoly to lose mm-hmm. its power, right? Because yeah. because it did earn it, it like it built that <laughs> yeah. thing. Because right. we also take like, like Amazon, right? Which is which is turning into a monopoly also yeah. because of because it, it can outcompete everybody and has done business practices where it'll undercut itself to kill yep. competitors and then like which is because right. it can make up the money in other exactly uh, or just in the future right and 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 this is which is like the exactly the kind of thing that a monopoly does right yeah. 
And uh, and then further, they have things like AWS, which is now the which always was and still is the number one cloud service provider. That it's just, makes it's the, just the backbone of everything, of everything now, on the internet, and and the amount of revenue that that thing generates is fucking enormous, right? And so maybe there's one company that like that controls delivery and purchasing of like every good in the universe, and also controls all of the web infrastructure, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and at some point, that's going to have to be broken apart. Yeah. Those two things. Like, because they're unrelated anyway, they should just not be part of the same thing. Uh, but then it was like, but like, it feels unfair. It's like, well, Amazon built both of those things. Why should they have to split yeah, that apart? Like, what know? do you need? You want to buy some shoes? You want some web services? <laughs> you want to watch people play video games on the internet? <laughs> yes, we yeah, got they you. own Twitch yeah. too, right? Yeah, they, they own Twitch. They, they own, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's also interesting because I think in the case of of uh, someone like Steam or someone like Apple, I mean, people have been complaining yeah. about Steam's cut, you know, for I think the last five years or so now. Um, and it's always just the question of like, are you getting what you as as basically as a different kind of customer? In our case, as a developer, we are a, in an interesting way a bit of a customer of these different platforms. Um, are we getting what we're paying for, right? Uh, when it comes to them taking a third of the revenue, I say yes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like if we look at something like getting a Steam pop up or having this algorithm sort of catch us after getting, you know, external traffic coming to our steam page and, and furthering the power of that. Like, yeah, man, I don't even care about that. Like not having to figure out how to handle the taxes, <laughs> every, every single country, country in exactly. the world. I mean, yeah. come on. Like we want to make games and sell them, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else can handle not like, worrying about distribution. And yeah. Like how do you, yeah. how do you collect money? What about refunds? What about taxes? Right. Like what about all these things, you know, instead yeah, deal with any of it. Yeah. It's like at least once a week we get an email from Google and they're like, just to let you know, there's been a change in some tax law in this country. No further actions required on your part because it's on us. Yep. We have to deal with it. Right. Yep. And yep. I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just yeah. take so take fifty percent. It is interesting because yeah, all no, of them, all of them yeah, have, don't. all of them are sort of doing. They are doing work for uh, for developers. I think that the problem is when once you see once there are more and more of these, the problem basically becomes like if you don't allow for competitors in the same space. So, for example, like if there's no one else who could possibly compete with with the Apple Store as a front, then that thirty percent will just always say thirty percent, no matter what. In terms of like, if you see basically what we're seeing in the PC space, which is more of these entrants like Epic or with Discord, um, are essentially saying like we can actually do the same thing, but for a much less chunk of yeah. Well, because Steam doesn't need thirty percent to, to cover that yeah, part hundred percent right, yeah. at all. Um, and and they and they probably needed it like at the beginning, definitely because they had to figure out they just set up infrastructure, get like yeah. legal teams everywhere, set up businesses in like every country in the universe, like did they do all that shit? But once it's all there, and then we're distributing the cost of all of that because that's mostly flat rate kind of stuff, right? Is like is is development costs. So once that's all there, then they can distribute the cost across everybody who's who's paying into the system. And so yeah, so it doesn't, it, and that's basically Epic's argument with their whole yes. like twelve percent cut, right? Is basically just say we don't we don't need we don't need 30% to, mm-hmm. to actually build and maintain and develop this service. Um, but, uh, but on the other hand, they have a whole bunch of other stuff that they're also doing. Yeah. Right. Where they can make up money here and right. there. And in the end, like it's a platform. Their, their goal isn't to break even on their expenses. Yeah. No, their business, their goal is to make as much money as yeah. possible. Right. Yep. So, and to be clear, I'm definitely not pro monopoly. Just no, like, oh, no. it's just, there's a lot of nuance. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because it's you. You want your system to be set up in a way that encourages people to build large, 
expansive businesses in yeah. terms of like your legal structure and stuff like that. Yeah. And the question to me, the question always comes down to sort of fairness, right? Because when it comes like to, to Amazon pricing out competitors by artificially deflating prices, to me, that is wildly unfair and very monopolistic and should be punished in the courts, right? Has not been, won't be because, yep, because of yeah, America. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, America. Yeah, and, and, uh, and if you, if you have a closed ecosystem on a platform where you have very strict controls about everything, like what's allowed on there, what prices you can have, what the cut is, like what services you get as a consequence. Like as soon as that's true, then you're also monopoly. Cause now all of a sudden, like you, you're not, you don't, you don't allow room for stuff to yeah. compete. And I think competition is just required. Um, so, so to me, it all comes down to like, if, if there's truly unfair competition, then that's where I'm like, right. so you're saying like, if like somebody it. becomes a monopoly, but by playing by the rules, and like I'm, just, I'm, I'm just honestly, being, I'm fine with yeah, it. Yeah, just being like really fucking good yeah. at everything that they yep. do. It's like, okay, yeah, go you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as you're, as soon as you're essentially, well, you start throwing your power around. It's, it's that's where it gets yeah. uncomfortable. Well, because because the main problem with all this stuff too is that once because once you have a monopoly, it's so hard for a new entrant to come yes. in, right? Yeah, and because uh, because because the the monopoly now has all the power, and because they can just crush anything by by also by, by also having unfair practices on top of the fact that they already exist. Yeah, that's. To me, that's where all the problems come from. Yep. You so know? nothing has happened. Honestly, we should just have a really steep monopoly tax. Mm. You know? Or mm-hmm. just any tax. Because as far as or I understand, <laughs> as far as I understand, <laughs> these companies <laughs> literally don't pay taxes. There is. There is. So maybe that. we'll start with that. And then we'll kind of work our way up. Work our way up. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, all right. Let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question is from My Secret Weapon, who says, What's your zombie plan? Your plan for survival during the inevitable zombie apocalypse. Ooh. Were we talking about this like two weeks ago randomly? Uh, I don't recall having done that, but I also don't remember most things. I think we might have, but let's revisit it just in case. Yes. So, Because this, this is the top just question, which means whatever we said was not satisfactory because people need to Oh, no, not it. on the podcast. Oh. Was like, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if we – We might have talked about it. Yeah, there's so the question is like where would you where would you stake out? Mm-hmm. Would you stay in the city? Big question. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen a lot of that from every zombie movie ever. Yeah, so so it's it really comes down to two. There's there's like two core zombie uh, types. There's like the literally they are dead type. Yeah, like they're dead and they're walking around. Yeah. And then there's the some kind of disease they're like rabies vampires or like yeah. vampire rabies basically. Yeah. So I think. If it's literally dead people, then I feel like you don't really need that much of a plan because they're, so they're dead. Right? Yeah. They're slow as fuck. They are falling apart. They're, they're making They're being they eaten go. by presumably every kind of scavenger that lives in the world. Yeah. This would be like the boom in the ecosystem for crows, vultures, yeah. coyotes. Yeah, anything. They're probably not very well just sort of like organically lubricated in the sense that like – they're going to break down. Yeah. They're going to break down. And, and if you were to go somewhere cold, because they, they just, they've they got just no body heat. Stop. They'll just freeze, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and also, you know, whenever you exert your muscles, there's a small amount of damage. And like yeah. what, what makes you sort of able to continue to function and also get stronger is that your body repairs the, the damage all mm-hmm. the time. Right. And like lactic acid builds up in your joints and stuff. So assuming that they still have some of those processes happening, uh, they would just like, uh, just utterly fall apart. Yeah. So really, days. you just need yeah. to wait it out. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. Or be somewhere cold. Just be somewhere cold. A yeah. Combination. Go to a cold place. Although, or just here's hang the thing, out though. and just like just hang out for two. By the days. time the zombie apocalypse happens, there might not be any cold places left. Oh shit! That's true. 
Because of global warming. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, with all these, with all with everybody being dead, it's going to be a Thanos situation. And That's now true. there's far fewer balance cars. Balance is restored. Balance it'll probably is restored. Be, it'll probably, because balance never restores, you know, non-chaotically. So it's probably going to be an overreaction. So then everything will become cold. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to a new ice age, which will be a zombie-free ice age. But then the question is, 10,000 years later, once when the ice thaw. goes away, when they thaw, because they were already dead. Maybe they're in the glaciers. They're people are, in the glaciers. People are talking about they've been finding weird bacteria in the uh, permafrost up north. Have they found any zombies yet? They haven't found zombies yet, but I'm saying there might be some zombies, some zombies in there. You, don't you won't know. This. What's going to happen is some researcher will go up there. They'll find a bacteria. They're like, oh, interesting. And then they'll lick it or something, you know. That's what the researchers yeah. do. And they're like, like this tastes fine. You have to do a taste test. That's yeah, part you of, taste test your science. Yeah. Then they go back home. They live their life for the next 30, 40 years. They have a great life, whatever. They finally die of just natural causes. Or do they? And then that's when they come back because yeah. they've Ooh. had the they've had the virus just late the whole time, you know? which will also be very hard to trace. You know, back to exactly the, back to the source. and the whole time they've been a carrier and they've been spreading it around. It's like a mm-hmm. cold. You know, everybody's just got it in them now, and we're not going to know. All that, all that would do is just change your burial practices. You would just burn the bodies. Yeah. Like or you would still yeah. bury them because everything like, it's really about, hard to crawl out of the ground. Almost you know? everything about the zombie apocalypse scenario is, is is like laughably easy to deal with, but it somehow becomes a huge problem. Except know? for fast zombies that are still actually just people. Well, and that's, yes. that's the that's one. The issue. That's the trick. If yeah. that's the case, well, I don't know. I yeah, because now you got this problem where like somebody you know is now just like legit coming after you and mm-hmm. they're and you were just hanging out with them a, like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now and they're you have to behead them with like a scimitar, yeah. you know, that you found in your closet. Yeah. yeah. Which is zombie like intro to zombie land style, Basically, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that I could totally see that scenario being pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm yeah, not, that one I think you just toast. There's just no way around. There, yeah. there are way too many people. And I'm also, not, I'm not going to be here. But here's the thing nobody really talks about when they when they ask this question, which is, why the fuck do you think you're going to be one of the ones who's not a zombie right now? Yeah. You know, like zombie apocalypse, it's it's called an apocalypse for a reason. It's mostly because like 99 percent of all humans, <laughs> right. are, my are zombie plan, now. join the winning team, die immediately. Yeah, <laughs> just. But the thing is, most I zombies, am, I'm the apocalypse. In, now. in yeah. most of the zombie apocalypse, 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 the like. Just suddenly everybody's a zombie now is like yeah. mostly what happens, right? Like overnight. Overnight. So it's not really the case that – because, you know, they don't always have like the whole like viral spread thing or whatever. But it's it happens so fast. Yeah. And it's mostly because of a virus or something that it doesn't even – it doesn't matter what your plan is. You're just a zombie now in like all cases. So the yeah. other thing you can do if you're taking the whole uh, uh, the whole statistical approach where you basically say you like – you take the probability of a thing – times like the cost of dealing with it you know that whole value. Expe- expected value, value right so take yeah. the expected value of the zombie apocalypse like you're gonna be a zombie That's which true. means you should not invest any effort into dealing with the consequences no. but i think i think if you're gonna do any investment you can kind of think about it like a lottery ticket which is uh-huh. like you're gonna spend some money and it's probably not gonna pay off but if it does you know you want to make sure that you're prepared which is have a sword yeah yep. Because everybody's got their guns. Guns are loud. They attract zombies. Yep. You know, like if you watch The Walking Dead, you'll know that that one of that the characters who live the longest learn how to hit things with sticks and swords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Actually, I would go with a machete. Machete's more, more versatile. Yeah, you can use it to cut brush yep. as well as zom- zombies. Yeah. I guess there's an interesting problem though, which is that the more prepared you are, so say you're like, okay, I'm, you know, zombie apocalypse, apocalypse is coming. These are fast zombies. We need to get strong. We need to get buff. The more dangerous as a zombie you will become. Yeah. Well, so now you now because you win. You will be a zombie, but now right. you win either way, right? Yeah. Because you're now eating people. You, you get all the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> either the best zombie or the best zombie. If you're a survivor. zombie, it's just more like 
you just start eating. You just get to hang out at a at a person buffet all mm-hmm. day because yeah. you're because you're super fast and super strong and you've got guns. Yeah, so really, <laughs> you should be you should be preparing to be a zombie. Is what you should be doing. Yeah. Prepare to be a zombie for the zombie apocalypse and ask what? How can I be the best? How can zombie I, be I can be the be? best zombie that I can be? You know, yeah. it's funny is that there's no one's ever explored that angle of the zombie apocalypse. Like, <laughs> yeah. there would be a group of people who would be like all about it, where they're like they would get as as crazy like jacked as possible mm-hmm. and then purposefully get bitten in some ritual right. ceremony yeah. and then be like 100 i've become death like i'm gonna go roam the wastes now yes and then turn into a zombie and go it's like a cheat code for the I wanna, apocalypse you i want to see a story i'm about gonna be this. on the other end of the apocalypse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh the winning side yeah and then otherwise if it's the kind of zombies that are more magical than biological where they are basically basically perpetual motion machines and i do happen to survive then i'm going to harness all of that power Ooh, to create yeah. a new industrial revolution that is all based on purely organic oh, yeah. so what you do uh, is you, know, you chain up a zombie yep put them on a treadmill Boom. you put it like a stake infinite power or whatever in front of them yep. and they just run forever that's true. forever they don't need to eat don't need to sleep don't need to do anything nope they That's just incredible. keep going. And it's, and, it's, <laughs> and it's ethical in this part because they're just automatons. They don't have brains. They don't have feelings. They're basically a perpetual motion. They're just the perpetual problem motion is that you then create an incentive if there's a profit motive for people to turn, to turn other, other people, people I know, yeah. So I mean, but, we kind of got But if they last long enough and 99% of the population become zombies, we got plenty of zombies. That's true. We're doing great. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You got an infinite supply of but zombies. You, but, but you're right, though, that there is going to be some person out there they're gonna do, you know, they're who, gonna do. who's like, I don't have enough zombies, but I got all these people. You could also make sort of like a zombie uh, cart, you know, where like instead of horses, you know, you just got some zombies. Yeah, a zombie driven sort of on there and you just like dangle a mm, steak yeah. in front of them or whatever. They're not and, nearly as fast as horses, but. But you, you can get a lot of them because they're just, is, there's always a lot there's of them. Presumably you need like a lot of shocks in that cart to be able to absorb because they're going to be kind of. They're a little wild. They're a little wild. They're, yeah. they're going to be fallen. And I think one be... of the other hard things is when you go to a friend's house and then your zombie cart people eat eat your friends. Oh, That's yeah. also one of the yep. downsides or that you don't have to leave. worry about with horses or cars. You know, yeah. The other thing about zombie apocalypse or really almost any sort of like post-apocalyptic scenario is people are always siphoning gas out of cars like yeah. years after mm-hmm. the apocalypse. It's like, doesn't gas sort of just like lose its shit after a few months? I don't know. I think it lasts a long time. I think it only lasts like long time. I think it only lasts like three months. Is that true? I'm pretty sure. That doesn't sound true. I think you're just making that up. I think maybe three and a half months. (laughs) (laughs) But like at a certain, there's a shelf life on this thing. It's a highly volatile, uh, evaporating. You know, but I mean, it's in a it's in a closed container. Yeah, pretty sure if you keep it contained, you're good. I don't know. We got to research this, yeah, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty out. sure that this is not a real, like, I don't think, I don't think like a car, you could find a car that's sitting there for like three years. I think the bigger problem is your batteries. Yeah. Is all the batteries that's true. Cars are going to be dead. Yeah. All the batteries are dead. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, the batteries that's are never, there's a lot of hand waving going on in these, yep. mm-hmm. but anyway, just be a zombie. You don't need to worry about gas. Yeah. You don't need to worry about batteries. Be the MVP. Yeah. A zombie. Yep. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Coffee Chemist. What is the one skill and or advice that you've taken from other careers or through education that you found had the biggest impact on you? I took philosophy in secondary school and got to spend about three months learning critical thinking, which has allowed me to take a proper look at problems presented in not only media, but in my academic and programming work, too. Mm. Uh, I would say a uh, an intuitive approach to statistics and mm. the comfort with believing that nothing is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which came from doing science. Those are uh, enormously, those are enormously valuable just to life, yeah. But also to to running a business, yeah. If you're, games. which 
I, I know some people would have a hard time with this idea of like literally everything you do having this sort of like this sort of undertone in your mind saying, I'm probably wrong about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you reach a certain Zen state with it where you think it's fine. Yeah. Like every because that's true for everybody. Yeah. But I know that I'm probably wrong. Yeah. And, yep. and not everybody is is that confident in how open. wrong they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It keeps you open for uh, interesting ways to approach things or do things. That yeah. It, it makes it so that you yeah, you have a you have a harder time backing yourself into a corner and trying to defend an indefensible position mm-hmm. because you don't have you're, the whole time you're like, I'm probably wrong about this anyway. Yeah. So I had, I'm not attached to well, anything. It also it helps you work with other people, right? Because now you're not trying – because in most contexts uh, outside of science where I've worked with other people for you know projects or, or actually at work or whatever, um, there's that sort of – competitive aspect where like someone like everyone wants to be the one who is right about the thing you know and so when you're working on a problem collaboratively then you're you're not actually being collaborative you're sort of like it's actually a battle to see who wins right who gets the credit versus who a, gets a the collaborative idea. thing where you basically come in under the assumption that actually nobody could possibly have the right answer and that you're not even going to leave with the right answer and that your goal collaboratively is to just do the best you can to get as close to a right answer as you can, given your collective knowledge and skill and everything else. So that now you come into every discussion ready to walk away with like the best thing that the team can come up with, not not the thing that you think was correct when you yeah. walked into that. Which discussion. this is one of the questions that we get a lot from players is who came up with blank? Like they'll see something mm-hmm. in the game and be like, which one of you thought of this idea? And I have never been able to answer yeah. that question because yeah, every I, once in a while we can trace it, but very, but very rarely, rarely cause we just don't care. Like we don't care who thought of something. On top of that, it all gets, it all get jumbled up at some point. Yeah. And, yeah. and you integrate feedback from, you know, but also, the team yeah, because the source doesn't matter, right? And and actually, the original idea didn't matter either. It was it was the original idea then synthesized in the context of yeah, the actual problem. Because it's never going to be the case that somebody says, "What if we did blank?" And then everybody's just like, yep, that will perfectly work. And we don't have to do yeah. anything differently yep. than what you just said and just thought of right now. Yeah. Like it's always a – we always have to figure out if how have, to think of all the angles and tweak it. Basically, and, if you yeah. have people with different expertise than yours on your team, then whenever you present an idea, you'll get you'll get a look at that through a different lens. There's always pushback. Which is fantastic. And especially if all of them – if they if they believe in your – uh, sort of skill and experience, but also believe that nobody is ever correct, then you're in a perfect, it's a perfect scenario because now it's not about trust anymore about like, tr- as in the sense of like, if somebody then fights you on a thing, it's not because they don't trust you or they think that your judgment is bad or whatever. Or it's because they're being malicious. Or they're being malicious. They're just like, they're basically now running with the idea you just presented, right? And they now need to break it down. Applying and ask their like, expertise. They're, they're, yeah, and start asking like, where are all the failure points of this? Where are all the mm-hmm. things that we could like tweak a little bit to make it work better? You know, where, where are all of those pieces? Yeah. So now you're immediately running and, and working collaboratively on an idea instead of right. well, challenging it, each yeah, other. It removes your ego from it because you're not – when you th- when you throw – Because it's idea, not about you. Yeah, it's not about you, which is one you of know? our principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you, th- <laughs> you throw an idea out there and if you should not care what happens to it now. It's like you set it free into the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. It's out there and then other people are going to pick it up and run with it. And that's just – it's it's not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's everybody's. Um, and once you have that, then all of a sudden you can come up with all kinds of wacky mm-hmm. shit that nobody would have thought of on their own you know, because mm-hmm. you get to blend stuff together. Yeah, I think mine would probably be from, from Psych, which was just sort of pointing out that every every single thing that you decide to do could – have a little bit more of an of a researched angle to it or a reason for having it be the way it is. Um, 
And I remember back when we were making Quadrupus, for example, and we were like, okay, we've got to make this storefront, like this in, in-app purchase store inside of the game. Uh, how do we do that? And so one of the questions was, what color should the background be while you're inside the store? Which is not a question that I normally would have asked, but because of doing some having some basic psych background, uh, you know that certain colors and certain words even prime people in certain ways that make them more or less likely to do certain things. Like, I don't know, buy something from you. <laughs> right. And so Or be creative. Or be or creative. Be mad, or- so like the question is like, why is the workshop in level head blue? Think about it for a second. Turns out that blue primes people to be more basically open minded and helps them solve literally helps people solve creative problem solving tasks a little bit faster. Why so, are blueprints blue? Also, it happened to pull from that, which is maybe nice. a so, bunch of other people tried different colors of prints, and only the people who were using the blueprints were the ones who actually does. succeeded because, nice or maybe this thing and the whole deal. Yeah. yeah. So the whole point is that there's there's a lot of these. There's well, a lot just, of that's what the paper's made of. I don't that, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of good. Uh, if you if you just start thinking about every single element of whatever it is that you're doing, there's there's probably some good reasons to be doing it one way or another. And as Adam said, as Adam said, most of them are probably actually wrong or bogus because of course science is hard. Yeah. Um, well, in psychology research in particular, because it's really fucking hard to study people. People are chaos monkeys yeah. as we know. So, uh, but the, the whole point there is just that, is that you can apply that level of thinking to every single piece of a project, um, which sounds completely overwhelming at first, but then as you sort of, build that expertise of it builds into the intuitive design sense. I think. Yeah, it actually starts to add constraints, yeah. which is really helpful for solving problems as well. Yeah, because you're like, okay, the workshop is supposed to be a creative place. What do we know about that? Yeah. Well, blue's a good color for that. Cool. Now I don't have to figure out whatever other of the 256 million <laughs> colors there are. Um, you know, you can have a, sh- a bunch of shortcuts. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and, and it gives you it gives you actually a, a process and the problem solving aspect, yes. right? Because because the first part of problem solving is like, is to nail down really like, what are we trying to do here? Yeah, so they're saying, like, what, what color should this be? It's like, how should the player be feeling when they look yeah. at this yeah. thing? And what colors design make around that? Yeah. yeah. What colors yeah. come? Yeah. Yeah. Very simple example of it. But yeah. yeah. So my my answer to this question, biggest uh, skill or advice is, I'd say, from being a swimmer, is just mm. learning that there's just no such thing as a shortcut. Yeah. Like shit yeah. is hard as hell, mm-hmm. uh, and if you want to go anywhere, there's just absolutely no substitute for just just suffering through all of it mm-hmm. and just putting in the time and just being okay with it being just really fucking hard mm-hmm. and hurting a lot. Because yep. <laughs> um, that's that's how you get better at things. You yeah. know? And we say this a lot, but it, we should emphasize it every, at every opportunity. It's just, there is no secret. Yeah. There just isn't one. What's your secret for bleh? It's like a shitload I, of hard work. Yeah, the secret was I did it. <laughs> Yeah, I got in there. Yeah. Right? I mean, wh- why do you think every time you go to the grocery store, they always have these racks of magazines and they're like, every single magazine is like, try this crazy new secret of how to lose 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's like, if there was, if there was one. Yeah. That would just be what we did. That would just be what people did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there yeah. is no secret. And that's why these magazines sell so fucking well is because everybody wants there to be, everybody wants there to be a shortcut. And there's a lot of ways to pretend like you got a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it's also the case that it's really easy because like you don't live somebody else's life, you Correct. know, and and you see them, maybe you see them at work every day and you're like, dang, they're just like so put together. They're so well put together. They're in shape. They've got like, they've got a good like posture. Got they've going got, on. They're well organized, you know, whatever. 
And then when they leave, you don't see them going home and, and just like staring at the wall at a rowing machine for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see that. All mm-hmm. you see is the results. It's like how people go on Facebook and get depressed seeing yeah. all the highlight reels of their friends' lives, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's, it's not easy for anybody. It is easier for some people. I I admit that, but man, it's not easy. So yeah, it can be easier for some people to get in there. Yeah. But in the end, everyone everyone has to get in there. Everyone, you just got to get in there. There's no, there's no way around that. And then you got to stay in there. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's easier for some people to stay in there also, right? (laughs) Which maybe we should have talked about that, you know, a couple of years ago when we were talking about how you just got to get in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we told people they did have to stay in there. Okay. I'm pretty sure we Well, just to double check, you got to stay in there. You don't just get in Don't just get in there and get back out of it. And to be fair, we didn't say get in there and then get out. We said get in there. You got to get in there. Get in there. Which doesn't imply at all getting back out of there. That's right. Get in there and stay in there. It's hard, uh, but that's what makes it worth it. And that's why why, uh, not very many people do it because it's hard, you know? So you're at a huge competitive advantage if you can get in there. Because nobody else is in there, actually. Stay in there. It's, basically, <laughs> it's basically like, you know, it's that, that whole swimming time when, like, the kids have to get out of the pool and the adults get to get in, you know? You know, that whole thing? Uh-huh. It's like it's like that, basically. It's like there's actually nobody in the in the pool. What do you mean? Just Wait, like, you lost me with the metaphor. In terms of getting in there, uh-huh. if you can get in there, nobody else is in there. Uh-huh. Because nobody's getting in there. So if you can get in there, then it's just blue skies, you know? Oh, you it's mean like, like – Blue ocean. Oh, you mean like when we were growing up, they'd say, like, it, the kids have to take a break. Mm-hmm. It's adult time, and then the adults are like, "Nah," and then they and just there's all, like one or, there's like yeah, one there's or two. There. And then like, yeah, one person's getting yeah. in there because it turns out almost nobody's really getting in there, but yeah. it's just hanging out yep. mm-hmm. up top. So you just get in there. I think that's a good spot. Yep. We'll call it for- <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks everybody for listening. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for making things sound good. Uh, thanks to our community moderators to keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. we got merch, links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.